Hey guys, welcome back to the Heart of New York City Sports Podcast. I am your host, Cameron Krakowiak, with Jared Sage. Last night, the Yankees played a wild card game versus the Boston Red Sox in Fenway on their home turf. Um, there was a ton of energy and anticipation leading up to the game. We had talked about it for a strenuous amount of time on Monday about, you know, some of the moves that they were going to make. They ended up le- uh, leading off with Rizzo and, you know, we were kind of expecting everything that played out. Um, you know, Gio Urshela started at third base and they decided to go with the AAA um, shortstop Andrew Velasquez um, in the order. Um, a lot of things went wrong with last night's game with the Yankees, and we can unpack it a lot. Um, is this Brett Gardner's last game? Um, is this the last time we're going to see a lot of these Yankees in pinstripes? Are they going to try and move Urshela? Are they going to try and move Voigt? Are they going to try and move Hicks? Um, these are all questions that are going to be asked throughout this episode. Um, but let's get down into it, Jared. Um, last night, the Red Sox take the lead kind of with a gut punch in the bottom of the first. I think I I felt like something like this was going to happen, like one of the teams was going to score early. I feel like this happens a lot in a lot of the wild card games. Someone scores early, and that kind of like creates the momentum for the rest of the game. Um, and th- that happened to the Yankees twice um, when they played in wild card games. Uh, you know, there was a big momentum shift by – both teams, I guess you could say, um, the Yankees wild card game in 2017, uh, yeah, you know, it was ended up being three three after the first inning, but um, in 2018, Judge had that huge homer, and last night, um, Bogarts, uh, with Devers on base, hits a huge two run home run. Um, like, how do you think this shifted the game, Jared? I mean, I think it was it was pretty demoralizing to have the two out Stanton long single. I mean, single that missed being a homer by probably a couple of feet off the green monster. And then to get the first two outs and Cole looked pretty good. And then, you know, Devers has beaten him a couple of times. He beat him on a Saturday game in Fenway with a big homer that ended a game. And that was the series, I believe, that they uh, got swept in Boston early on. So he was playing careful with Devers, which I think is smart, but then he goes and faces Bogarts. And I think that you really kind of saw what Cole didn't have last night. I don't think he had his A-plus fastball. I don't know if it was the time of the year being in cold, being outside, you know, not July kind of weather where the, you know, fastball may have a little bit more zip to it in the heat. Um for him to break out the changeup, I think that early on was kind of shocking to me because normally with the starting pitchers, they don't want to like show their entire arsenal on the first night, you know, the first inning, right? He wants to like show fastball slider and then break out the changeup, maybe in the third, but like not really play with his fourth pitch. But for him to break out his fourth pitch in the bottom of the first inning with a man on first against potentially Boston's most dangerous hitter, to me, that spelled a little bit of like Cole is not on it tonight. And I, and I think that's what we saw. To me, to me, it seemed like he was anxious. And I don't know if anxious or the moment was too big. I don't think the moment was too big. But some, something was off because he had, trouble with, he had trouble putting Devers away with the fastball. He was up on the count, one, two. And he comes back with two of these fastballs 
that are just completely out of the zone, like nowhere. Like he was trying to get Devers to chase. And I think he was kind of like, that's the one guy that like, okay, you don't want him to beat you. So, right. Like you're going to walk him, but then you got to be able to attack with the next guy. And I think, I think he had a, a lot of trouble, you know, he ends up throwing this change up right down the middle and, you know, Garrett Cole has always been really good at being a put away pitcher and a strikeout pitcher. Um, like that's his game. And I think last night that didn't, that, that wasn't, that didn't look like him. I don't know how many strikeouts he ended up with, but with, with the first inning at bats, he was the hard contact that Schwarber was getting off of him was really like strange. And the fact that Kike Hernandez also too, expanded the strike zone if he didn't I don't know how that at bat would have gone either in the first inning like these these balls were hit hard and he didn't look he didn't look as sharp um he also didn't bring out his curveball I don't think in that first inning it was all fastball slider change up um and the curveball is one of his better pitches and I don't know if it's because of his hip is hurting and he'll say he'll say his hip wasn't hurting because he doesn't like he'll he'll be like oh this is New York like I don't want to die on that mountain and say that I was hurt, right? But no, if if he can't give his best pitching arsenal, like then he did a disservice to his team a little bit. Um, you know, it shows that like having a three hundred million dollar pitcher doesn't buy wins, and like he can have a bad start or bad last six starts, and you know, it kind of wasted. I don't know if it's a waste of the money or the talent, but like it's just frustrating when you pay him for games like these and you know, like he can only go two plus. I I don't think you can say it's a waste because you're not uh, yeah, situation. not a waste entirely, but I'm saying like you're not, a, you're not in this situation without Garrett Cole. I mean, this game doesn't literally will not happen if Garrett Cole is not on the New York Yankees. I mean we can get on him and really upset with him. He's still probably going to finish at least top four in AL Cy Young. And you can say, oh, if he was in the National League, he wouldn't wouldn't finish close because of Scherzer and Burns and what DeGrom was and, you know, Bueller. And there's so many guys in the National League. But that... That's the That's, you know, if those guys from the American League, their numbers would be different because it's the DH and all that. So that totally aside, it's unacceptable to, to not have a better performance if you're Garrett Cole because... He has to take the ball and do what Tom Seaver does and do what Andy Pettit did for many years, do what Whitey Ford did. I mean, he wants to be the next best pitcher in New York. And those other guys, when push came to shove, they showed up. And if they didn't show up for a little bit, then they came back and and did something that was meaningful. Like in 1969, Tom Seaver loses game one of the World Series. Then he comes back and wins a game against the mighty Orioles. Like Garrett Cole, he did not pitch well recently down the stretch for the Yankees. I mean, there was a stretch where the Yankees won five out of six. The one game that they lost was Garrett Cole's start. I mean, he didn't, he was not firing on all cylinders. So this is his moment to kind of change that. And I think nobody would have remembered the Cleveland or Toronto starts had Garrett Cole last night thrown seven innings of one run or at worst two run ball. He couldn't get out of two. He couldn't get out of the third. I mean, that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. But here's the thing. I do think Garrett Cole knows that. I don't think he's the type to make excuses. He he didn't say any, you know, he was not going to buy into having the COVID issue or the hamstring. And both of those could have affected him more than any of us know from the outside. 
He's not going to make excuses. And that's the guy you want. I mean, you want him on your team, but he's got to be better. He just has to perform better. But you know that if he has every opportunity, he's going to try and perform better and do it as best as he can. Um, I, I agree with you. I think the only two guys that I can like kind of say, like, I, you know, it's just, sorry, I'm going to back up a little bit. If you were to tell me, right, that like Garrett Cole finished top five in Cy Young and Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton had the seasons that they did, you know, and um, you'd probably say, wow, like this team is really special. But like we can we can move into some the, I feel like there's just something a little bit off with this culture of this team. And I don't to me, last night was like a microcosm of the 162 games that the Yankees played and of the Red Sox. The Red Sox had to battle some adversity, but they changed who they are. And, and you know, okay, if you're going to throw this at us, we're going to come back with this. The, the Red Sox, I think, adapt more to their circumstances than the Yankees. The Red Sox didn't have J.D. Martinez, and he's one of their biggest boppers. And their lineup, probably, if, if the Yankees have their full lineup and the Red Sox have their full lineup, the Yankees are probably deeper. And now the Yankees didn't have LeMahieu. So what did they do? They didn't really adjust to that. And then their lineup thins out. And then the players. Well, you can't really, you can't really adjust to that, honestly. No, but the players have to change their approach. But if yeah. you want to say that the players can't change their approach because you don't sign or bring in Joey Gallo to make contact, you bring him in to hit homers. Well, then I think you have a flawed you have a flawed roster construction. And I think that the Yankees have to make serious, serious changes to their roster. I think that these players don't complement each other. And I don't think that these players play winning baseball. These players have not won anything exactly meaningful. And the few times that, to be honest, that they have won, it's been with a little bit of a different team that had better players. And it's been against not as great competition in my eyes. When they beat the Twins, I don't think the Twins are that good. They haven't won a playoff game since 2003. I don't think that the Indian the Indians were good, but that was a different Yankee team. I think that this team that needs was, to be that totally was, changed. That was a totally different Indian team and totally different Yankee team. I think like the majority, like I I could probably say there's only like three or four guys. There's probably only three guys in that starting lineup of 2017 and 2018 versus the Indians that are in the that are in the this lineup tonight. Um, and like we can kind of get into this because. They were it was three one in the in the six, right? And uh, Rizzo hits a home run, right? So then we get some momentum going for us, and actually end up Judge beats out a single, and Giancarlo hits a ball off the wall, right? You know they and Nevin decides to send Judge home, and it was it was not from the left fielder that made that play; it was actually the center fielder, um, and they throw a perfect relay pretty much. Um, you know, both, both balls were off, uh, both throws were off bounces. And, um, you know, you could say like, oh, if it was a little bit to the left or the right, it had to be a perfect throw to get there. But I don't know what anyone says. Like, I know it takes a perfect relay and they get judged at the plate, but I feel as if that play was like, that play was like closer to like 80, 20, like 75, 25 and like 70, 30 of him being out to safe ratio. Like, I, I don't think it's more, I don't think it's, I think it's, it was less bang, bang of a play than we thought because um, like 
he was out by like four feet and and the thing was like if he didn't move his arm to do that trickery like it wouldn't have been as close right um if he was sliding in like feet first so let's just backtrack that for a second though get rizzo hits the homer judge gets an infield grounder beats it out in a playoff game those two things are massive and how many times do we watch playoff games where a manager overmanages in my opinion, and you know, I think the fans opinion, and that comes back to really bite them. Right. So Cora pulls Yavaldi third time through the order. Doesn't want Stanton to face him again. Okay. To me, that was the Yankees opportunity. Let's the Boston doesn't have a good bullpen. And this is in the sixth inning. This, I thought that was a terrible decision by Cora and it didn't pay off. I mean, Stanton's that close hitting a homer. But how fitting of it is it for the Yankees where something kind of goes their way and then the floodgates open the other way where they can't really capitalize it on it truly. They get a gift by Cora. They don't capitalize it. And, you know, we can fault Nevin because I don't think he's a thir- good third base coach. I think he's had a bad season all year. And there's a couple fault, bad senses. We can fault Nevin. I mean, if Bogarts throws that ball, a fraction to, you know, maybe the center of the plate and not to the left of home plate, he's safe. I don't think Judge could have slid feet first because I think everybody today is now told to slide hand first because then they can try the swim move or they can do things with their hand that they can't do with their feet. It's much easier, I think, for the catcher to, you know, set up the tag. Yeah. Like, you know, like we saw it with, you know, with Gary. I mean, Gary against the Mets, that was terrible play. VR was able to do kind of some trickery stuff. I'm not going to blame Nevin. Judge has to be safe. Like the, this is the thing. It's like these playoff games, like you can't say like, oh, well that's baseball. Like, no, you have to get it. Like judge has to be safe. They didn't, we didn't really get to quite see if judge took off from first base immediately. That ball had a 0% chance of being caught. There's no shame if that ball is a homer and judge is sprinting. You're just going to be serious, score the run anyway. Judge looked at that ball for way too long as he was rounding second base. All he has to do is be watching Nevin and and, and running as fast as he can. Uh, I agree. But at the same time, if you know that Judge, you know, is, is slow to it and not reactionary, you can't send him then. Like, you can't. Like, it, like if you're like, if, if Phil Nevin is only looking at the play and not Judge, that's not good. Because you can't be assuming that Judge is faster than he is or, or made a good decision. He's supposed to be the stopgap for whether or not th- that that stuff happens. So, yeah, like I, I get your points. You know, um, you know, we could get into the first and third situation. Like, let's say stand and say first judge judges up. You know, Gallo, Gallo, bro. When you told me this morning that Gallo has two career sack flies, I think um, that just shocked me. Like, power hitter guy doesn't really hit sack flies either. And I think, I don't know what the reason for that is probably because like when he does get a hold of one, he does hit it out. But to me, it's just frustrating that our lineup, it was literally Rizzo Stanton judge. And that was like it, you know, and, and Stanton goes out there and literally this is so we could I could get into this a little bit and like be like, oh, if we won three more games or so, like if we took a, a series more seriously and earlier in the season, you know, we could be playing at home and, you know, Stanton's balls that he hit, you know, 
they're not out of they're 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 out at Fen they're not out at Fenway, but they're out in other ballparks because those were line drives that went off the top of the monster, right? So no, I could make that argument, but I'm not going to. I think I think you know you can't really say like, oh, like because then the whole circumstances would have been different. But it, it is frustrating that this was the lineup we had to put out there. We have a Brett Gardner batting six and you know while he is a good hitter, he just looked lost last night. He looked like, like he did at the beginning of the season. Um, it was just really frustrating to like watch these at bats unfold. And um, I think that's what they have to change this off season. Um, if you want to go into that, we can, I think uh, Voight, they basically gave up on Voight halfway through the season. They tried trading him at the trade deadline and then they benched him. So he's probably gone. I think Torres is going to be the second baseman because he hit once he became the uh, full-time second baseman. But you signed LeMahieu to a five-year contract. You you know where you put LeMahieu. There's nowhere else. You're not going to put LeMahieu at third and move Urshela to short. No, you put him at first because you're trading Voight. Um, I don't think they're going to trade Voight for nothing. I don't think Cashman's that stupid. I don't. I don't think they'll trade him for nothing. But I, I do. Think- but Voight's not going to get you the return that I think Cashman believes he deserves. I mean, so that's my do first. Think, thing. Do you think? Okay. Anyway, I, I think that you know you talk. You said okay, first and third with Joey Gallo up. I think Joey Gallo is honestly a lot of what's wrong with baseball. Okay, so he's a good defender, and that's good. Like that's a good thing in baseball. Joey Gallo walks, strikes out, and hits home runs. He does zero else. He's not the guy I want in my, my cleanup hitter. I want a guy who's going to drive in runs, who's going to hit the ball, who's going to get sack flies. Who do I want as my cleanup hitter? I want Michael Brantley. I think that's the guy that the Yankees should have gotten last year. I want a guy who hits the ball, who you know does what he's supposed to do. Okay, he's not the best defender. All right. You know, things are weird. You can get around with it. He's not a terrible defender either. So Joey Gallo's a great defender in left field. He's got a great arm. But you already have a great defender in right field. So do you need, but you don't have a great defenders up the middle. So is it worth it to have better defenders on the corners than up the middle? I think up the middle. Joey Gallo is not, is not that great of a player in my opinion. He hits homers and he strikes out and he doesn't do anything for the Yankees. He didn't do anything when they got over him him here. And everybody wants to tell me, oh, he's a lefty and he's going to do great in Yankee Stadium. There are a bunch of lefties that they could have found. They could have gotten Michael Brantley. They could have gotten a lot of better players. So that's the first thing. I mean, you're not going to get rid of Joey Gallo. I think, I think that's part of like, I don't know what they're trying to do in the front office. I like have no vision of it. But like the whole like Rugnick Odor, like, oh, we're getting a free player you know, like who's a power hitter and a lefty. Like they, they thought that that could have some fix to the lineup earlier on in the season. I mean, that was kind of almost, it felt like a stop gap. I don't think that they a, a little believed bit, a little. that. I don't think, I think that if they had it their way, that he would have been just a platoon guy and he would never have started really at all because they would have had Rochelle at third. Yeah, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that, the 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 ball the the baseball that they're playing is not winning baseball like the lineups that they put out there you're right michael brantley probably we should have we should have signed him last offseason 
I mean, who knows if they had the money to do that. And that's who they probably thought Aaron Hicks was going to be. You know, we stopped running. We stopped running and stealing once we got these guys at the trade deadline because, and everyone got healthy because, you know, we were like, oh, we could play this brand of baseball that's home run or nothing. And that just doesn't win in the October. And that really almost doesn't even win in the regular season. I mean, I get that the Rays strike out a lot and that they hit a lot of homers, but they also play really good defense. They pitch well, and they're much better with runners in scoring position. I don't think the Yankees play the game of baseball correctly. And I've been saying it for years. And be, and that's because that they continue to trot out the same roster. And so I think until this roster is gone, that, that won't, you know, they won't stop doing this. It's so, not going to so all of a sudden what, change. So what would you, who would you get rid of? First of all, I think they need to have dependability because I think a lot of their players aren't, a lot of their big players are not dependable. I don't think Judge and Stanton, as great as they are, are the most dependable players. So I think Hicks has to go. I don't think you can, can I don't think you can afford to pay Hicks for him to potentially play. And even when he plays, is he even that good? So you try I mean, and just offload it? I would try and offload it with Well, I feel like he hasn't been good recently because he just hasn't been healthy. I would I don't think he's that great of a player, anyways, though. I, I never understood that signing. I would try to unload him by also trading Glaber Torres and seeing what I could get for both of them. I would try and package them to get rid of that Hicks contract and then get a, not a fill-in shortstop, but a, a serviceable shortstop for maybe two years before one of these young shortstop prospects like Volpe comes up. Because I'm not going to sign, I don't think the Yankees can sign a Carlos Correa, a Corey Seager, even a Trevor Story. I know he's coming off a down year. I don't think they have the money because they have to pay Aaron Judge. And that has to come before everything else. I don't think, in my opinion, I think you can get an offensive bat who has better offensive skills than Glaber Torres for cheaper, who is a better defender. And to me, the first guy that stands out is Miguel Rojas. I really like him with the Marlins. I would try and bring him in. He's got a great glove. He's got good bat to ball skills. Okay, maybe he doesn't have as much homer pretend homer home run potential as Torres, but I think he's better. And then I would get another Marlin. Uh, he was traded last year. I'd get Starling Marte. I think he puts the ball in play. I think he's not reliant on the homer. He can steal and he can play defense and he adds a lot. I would get Starling Marte and Miguel Rojas. And then I that tells me, okay, if Joey Gallo's in left field, I got great defense up the middle. I have more in-ball, bat-to-ball skills, and I have more speed. That's how you fix it. At least, you, in you my opinion, the Voight. You would stay with Voight? I would stay with Voight because I don't understand why I would trade him at his lowest value. If Rizzo was under contract. I'm not even sure if it's his lowest value. But what? what's – I mean, he just came off of a year where he played, what, like 30 games? Like, yeah, he might have played 50, but that's 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 50, that's, but some of them were like pinch hit. He didn't even, yeah, 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 I know, I know. He played, he played 68 games, but you're like, right, you're right. Like, like it is probably really him under contract. Like, why would you? And it's not like he's afraid to after like next year where you like think, oh, I'm not going to keep him, but I'm also never going to trade at the deadline and be a seller. Like, the Yankees aren't going to be sellers really ever at deadlines. Every once he's in a free agent for a really long time, they're free agent for a while. So, why, why would I trade him? Why would I trade him when I don't have another first baseman on the roster other than moving LeMahieu? And then, so what? I'm going to get rid of Voight to move LeMahieu to get Torres at second, where he isn't even a great defender there either. I don't think he's that great of a hitter if the juiced balls are gone. He doesn't have the same power. And then I'm going to get a shortstop. 
it just see, seems like, and what am I going to get with, what am I going to get from what I trade out for void? Am I going to get a pitcher? So I don't know. What am I going to get? I don't know. For? Kluber's gone. Um, Kluber has to go. Kluber, not that he has to go, but you cannot bring him back because if Severino only pitches like five innings this year and Herman doesn't play a lot, like you got to have guys who you can depend will throw the ball every five days. So Cole is one. You hope Montgomery is another. You hope. Okay, I think this year tells me whether or not I think Cashman. Like you know, we we've said this a couple of years ago. Like, I don't think Cashman is on the hot seat, but like at a certain time, you have to hold him accountable. I think he deserves to lose a lot of. I think he deserves to lose a lot of control on the day-to-day operations of the team as it pertains to like lineups, pitching matchups, you know, mixing and matching. I think that you can see that he really has a lot of control off of what Boone has the ability to do. And I just don't think that's healthy ever. I think that the manager has to control his own team. And if you don't believe that your manager can control his team well enough, then you get rid of the manager. But I think that, Brian Cashman's job should just be roster construction. And that, of course, has to go hand in hand with the manager and the manager decisions, right? You're not going to construct a roster that hits Homer and then you're going to play small ball, obviously. You're not going to construct a roster that has no starting pitching, but use your, you know, and not use your bullpen. Like you're going to, it's going to go hand in hand. But as far as the specific lineups on May 30th, you have to give that to the manager. I, I just don't think Cashman can micromanage the manager. It just doesn't, it's not a recipe for success. I think that part of the the team should be gone. I think maybe Cashman in the front office thought, hey, let's try this experiment. And I really thought last year, they. I really thought like, oh, they're going to change because it didn't work out. You got, you got outraged by the Rays. Right. Like you, you thought that this would change and it, and it didn't. Right. Um, I don't think that the options were available at that time. And I also think it would have been a little bit unfair because it would have been 60 games. Right. And it's like, uh, what was even real? Like the Astros last year so were under five. Who, who would you bring in to manage? You said Sosha. I would bring in Mike Sosha. I think, you know, I, I know a good amount of how he manages the game and, I don't think that if they want to be analytical, they can't bring in social because then it'll be a war. But if they want to kind of, I'm not saying it doesn't have to be analytical, but if they want to let the manager do what the manager can, I'd bring in Mike Socher or Buck Walter. I bring in an old school manager who is going to play old school baseball, but old school baseball that wins. I mean, like we talk about how great the Rays are analytically. What have the Rays won? Okay, they've gotten to a World Series, but they didn't really, it never felt that they were going to win it against the Dodgers. You need to find a winning combination. And I don't think that being the most analytically driven team is going to win you championships. Because if it did, then the A's would have a couple and the Rays would have a couple, but they don't. It's just sad in, in a sense, like in terms of less like, just like this team, I feel like had a lot of potential when it was constructed or like in the earlier years of this run, like 2018, 2019, like you could say, oh, if they had another arm, like if they had the call back then, 
you know, they, they could be in a better position because they were throwing out Tanaka and, and Severino, who's Severino is probably a two. Well, Severino is a great pitcher, but he's just never out there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just think it's just hard to think that going forward, you can bring back most of these hitters again. You can't. Like, that's the that's the the part that hurts um and i don't know i do you trade geo i want i kind of want to trade geo um my opinion with urshela is he's a good player and i think that the reason i'm less inclined to trade him is a couple of reasons first what are you going to replace him with and how are you going to like geo shellas make a lot of money so you're going to bring in a big salary but you got to pay judge i think there're bigger pressing issues and my other thing is as i think urshela does things that are different than what the other team guys do. I don't think Urshela is dependent on the homer and he's a good defender at, at third. He's a good defender at third, not like elite Arenado, but he's a good defender. So like, why would I take the guy off my team? Who's a little bit of a different piece when it's not the biggest issue, right? Like yeah, shortstop is the biggest issue in center field. It's the biggest issue to me. And before Urshela, I'm moving Gary Sanchez. I don't. I don't know if Gary Sanchez can do it for you. And I, if you I, have to play Gashioka, I mean, you I, said it yourself that the lineup yesterday wasn't great. Well, here's why: because you want to know why Garrett Cole needed a personal catcher. But then you have to. Then you have to improve your total catching department. He needs a. I don't think. I don't think Cole has to pitch to Higashioka. I think Cole just doesn't want to pitch to Sanchez. I think no, that- no, no, this is what I think. I think Cole, no, 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 no. Because Cole, everywhere he's gone, he used Chris Stewart in Pittsburgh. He used no, Maldonado in Houston. He always bugged. He but always bugged. Is a starting catcher in Houston. He always wants a private catcher because I think he wants to pick his brain and bother him on the days that are not his starts. I would potentially agree with you if I didn't think that Gary Sanchez was so bad at handling a pitching staff and blocking pitches and catching balls and framing that uh, I just think that Sanchez is just, I wonder how much your pitching would get better by subtracting Gary Sanchez. Hmm. And everybody wants to say that the Yankees have one of the most difficult staffs to control in terms of wild pitches. I'll give you Chapman. Chapman is a rare breed. And, and Clay Holmes. But Clay, that's but not Clay, they just got they just got him in a yeah, trade deadline you know other teams have wild pitchers too everybody in the mlb is pretty wild like give me a break yes yeah, cincinnati dog get, off, dog a knee. get off of a knee gary sanchez catch with that, two that, was not, that was not that was not his idea well i don't care whose idea it is that has to stop he has to yeah, I, I, I think it actually is part of him because I think he wants to be a hitter. And I think that he saves his leg by not having to kill both. You know, he, what does he kick out? He kicks out his right leg, his right leg in many yeah, aspects. He, but he hit worse. I told you this. Um, I didn't say this on the pod, but Gary actually hits worse as a DH, which is funny, you know, because um, maybe it's just being out there on the field, you know, able to like, you're not always thinking about your at-bats, or maybe it's just too small of a sample size. But yeah, I don't know where Rizzo goes. Rizzo's not probably a Yankee again. 
but he had a great year with us. I think I, I would, I would bring him back if I could. Um, if it would be a lot of money, I mean, like what you think Rizzo's getting less than 15 million a year. He's probably getting 20 a year. I mean, he's a great defender. And I think teams will say like, okay, bringing in Anthony Rizzo matters. Like he adds something to us. Like, and I think that teams kind of like that. It's, you know, they'll, they'll be willing to go a little bit more in terms of salary for that intangible, right? Yeah, so I agree. You're going to bring um, him. And I'm happy about the bullpen. We have Clay Holmes. Um, we have Wandy Peralta for another year. We'll probably re-sign Lucas Lickie. Um, just going forward, I think the Yankees have a great pitching staff. You know, they were third best in the AL, I think, um, in terms of ERA. But you need to get another starter. You need to get another starter. What? Is it a winning pitching staff? You need to get another starter. Statistically, they can be good. But I don't think that the pitching was clutch or timely. And that's a thing for me. I don't think that I lost their game last night. One thing that I would look at is I, I think that I think that the Yankees have a pretty – I like Loisaga a lot. I think he's a good pitcher. I think he could probably be a closer. I wonder if you could get something for Chapman. I can't rely on him. I just can't. And I would like to free up that $18 million. And, you know, that $18 million can go to Rizzo, and you can find relievers if, if you have the guy to replace Chapman, which I think that they do. I think that they could – Bump up Loisaga to, to closer. Bump up Green to the primary and only setup man. Use Clay Holmes. Use Wandy Peralta. I think that they have a bunch of guys, and they can always get one or two others. True. You know what I would wonder is if they were to trade Chapman, could they sign? To me, the best, free, you know, one of the best free agents on the market is is Rizal Iglesias. He looked sensational this year for Anaheim. I, I think he would be a really You'd be an interesting ad, and he'd probably be cheaper than Chapman. Yeah, like I, I don't know how much moving we can do because yes, Chapman was unreliable this year. Um, he's he's near the end of his year, uh, end of his contract. I think he has his eighteen uh, million dollars could really matter. He has, I think, I think he's a he's signed through next season. I think you can keep him. Um, I think that he's probably after next year he he, pro, he he probably won't be as effective, but you know he was decent this year and um, gave us still thirty saves. Um, yeah, I don't have much else to say about last night. Um, I think um, the way I think about it is, you know, hopefully Lemay who comes back next year and is able to provide more than what he gave this year. Maybe our team would look a lot different if LeMahieu was not as hurt and um, underwhelming as he was this year. Um, He matters. I mean, he is one of, like, when he was going really well, his back-to-ball skills and ability to get hits that weren't just homers really mattered. And you could see, like, it really made the Yankees a much better team. Without him and without his production, it – it hurt and it showed. I mean, that would be my that, you know. Then there were a bunch of other guys where it's like, I don't know what their value is anymore. I don't know what they're going to add to the team, but they still have Miguel Andujar. 
They still have Clint Frazier. And I don't know, obviously, you know, the health behind both of them, and that's going to matter. But you, like, still have them. So you have to figure out what you're going to do with them. You start Anduar in AAA. Anduar is, like, a quadruple-A player in my mind right now. I mean, he's looking like Same with right. Frazier. Same with Frazier before he got the head injury. He could he could be gone. He could be he might not like he, he might be, be done playing for a few years. Which is tough, which is really unfortunate. Is, from for his own standpoint and for the Yankees standpoint. He's really, you know, because he 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 had a high ceiling, he had a good 60 games last year. Um but he looked bad this year. And Anduar looked decent this year. I know he started off one for 30 or something and then he went on a tear and he was fine, but he has to prove it to me a little bit more. I don't think I could just be like, Oh, let's get rid of Torres and, you know, put, uh, put Andy Warr at third and DJ at second. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. Cause we can't, I don't think we can run these guys out there again like that. Uh, yeah, that's about it. We probably won't talk about the Yankees for a while. Um, unless something big happens, if Boone gets fired, I'll probably want to talk about that. Um, do you have anything else to say? Probably next week, next week we'll talk probably Nets and Knicks as well as, um, the football games that have, uh, that will transpire on Sunday. Um, the Giants are playing the Cowboys and the Jets will be playing, I believe the, uh, the Falcons. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's all that we have today. Do you have anything else to add, Jared? No. no um, it was a tough season, I think, for Yankee fans. I think last year's Knicks team was almost the exact opposite of this year's Yankee team. Both of them got bounced early in the playoffs, but one, you know, totally exceeded expectations and was a ton of fun and made fans want to watch every night, you know, even though there were some frustrating losses. And this Yankee team... I think turned everybody off. And even though they had some great wins, the devastating losses, I think are, uh, they won 92 games, but I think people remember the 70 losses more than they remember the 92 wins. Um, I think it was a tough season for Yankee fans. And you can only hope that losing again to Boston will really spark changes. And I think the, I think they will come. And I, I don't know how fast they will come. New CBA is going to matter, but I think they're going to, I, I think, there will have to be changes. They're not going to run it back. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I have nothing else to say. I'm at a loss for words. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we'll come back to you probably on Monday. We're going to start doing Monday, Friday episodes. So be on the lookout for that. Um, great. Thanks, guys. Peace.